This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're talking about the true value of mothers and what that means to you in episode number 176. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, ladies. It is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am so excited to be here with you this week. Last week, we talked about having a fearless birth, and I touched a lot on the intrinsic value of mothers and your intrinsic value as a woman and as a person. And I want to talk more about that this week. I want to dig into the value of a mother The question that comes to mind is, do we as a culture value mothers? I mean, we look at Mother's Day, we give lip service to moms on Mother's Day, but I'll be blunt and say that I don't believe that we as a culture truly value mothers. Like we give that little bit of lip service and I think that individual people really value their mom. But I don't think that we as a culture value moms. And I, I think that there are many, many, many causes for this. We're even looking at going back, way, way back, probably to the beginning of human society, when women, because they're different from men, were lesser than men. You know, we don't have the same physical strength or the same set of strengths as men. We have power and strength and influence in our own right, but physically, we can be dominated by men, and so... That happened throughout much of our history. And then I even think we kind of did a pendulum thing, right? Where we're on one end and then we swing to the other end. And maybe neither extreme is a good for good thing for us. Like in our rush for this equality and to, to erase the differences between male and female in the name of equality, we've... You know, we've blurred some lines and also kind of reduced things. And I know, I don't know, maybe some of you listening to me now are stay-at-home daddies and you're going to be offended at me. But, I mean, I think in some ways, too, there's even this reduction of the importance of women and mothers because, again, there's that push for equality. Like, oh, a dad can stay home with his kids while the mom has climbs the corporate ladder and does the career thing. Um, you know, all of that, I think, in some ways can minimize mothers and their unique role. So when I say this, and I'm I I'm not a politically correct person, y'all, so I'm I'm not gonna try to be politically correct. But I you know, I do want to acknowledge that I'm not I'm not trying to say that those viewpoints are wrong, that like mom can do her her career thing and then be a great mom and dad can be the stay-at-home dad and all that. You know, that is outside of this conversation because this conversation is really looking at women and their value as mothers and that they have an intrinsic and special value. So being intrinsically special doesn't reduce, say, the dude, just like dudes being strong doesn't reduce our importance as women. Um, And I also am not saying anything about women who choose not to become mothers. And I'm not saying that children who, for whatever reason, grow up without a mother are lacking something critical. Though I do think they're at a disadvantage, just like kids who grow up without a dad are at a disadvantage. But it's not an insurmountable disadvantage. It's something that could cultivate resilience in them. But what I'm saying is that I think that with our opposite pendulum swings, our opposing pendulum swings... 
we end up losing something with both of those. And the, what we lose is that value of mothers. So I was, I was recently, um, I was recently going through a course that dug into the 1920s, which was kind of funny because it, the, the, the text specifically talked about how in the 1920s, they, whomever they is, decided that mothers didn't have this innate instinct or this innate skill or this innate ability to raise their children. And therefore, they needed experts. And I, I laughed about that because I think we, there were tendencies for that beforehand. You saw books that were advice books for mothers on homemaking and childrearing and that sort of thing before then. But apparently this was that watershed where we really saw this belief in the scientific community and government communities that that somebody else was needed to help guide the mothers so that they could guide the children. And ultimately what we get from that is the ability to to impress upon children our beliefs, you know, the government could impress upon children government beliefs or whatever, because you're kind of removing them from this influence of mother. And even it's kind of funny because most of us, most people know who Dr. Spock is. He's, it's a cultural thing. Like, you know, you're looking at the 40s and 50s and stuff. And Dr. Spock was this influential expert who knew everything there was to know about raising up baby. And a lot of women followed Dr. Spock. So it's really funny to think that when you think about, okay, we need experts, that leads right, you know, from the 20s up a few decades, and then we have Dr. Spock, who is the preeminent expert on baby raising. And the funny thing is, is that Dr. Spock thought that moms should be at home. So there was this criticism about moms who worked outside the home. Um, but still, it was funny that even while he was saying that the mother needs to be at home, she needs, you know, this encyclopedic manual on how to raise her baby the right way because she may not be able to figure that out on her own. And so it's that it's just that cultural belief that we have that, you know, that that moms can't do this on their own. And again, another caveat is I am super grateful for dedicated researchers and dedicated professionals. I have learned a lot because I'm analytical. I'm a researcher. I love it. And I've learned a lot from research studies about, you know, all kinds of things about pregnancy and birth and baby and all these things under uh, having an understanding of physiological processes like birth or like baby sleep. Those things are good to have, and they can help inform us. I'm grateful for that, like learning about stress and emotions and attachment and resiliency with mothers and babies and with moms and their children. That's been really beneficial to me as a mother. And then reading the advice of wise mothers who have gone before me, which I think is actually that's outside of that expert realm. But all of those things have really helped me a lot to grow. So I wouldn't take those things away. But what I would argue is that all of this focus on experts and research and doing things the right way and all of this focus on, you know, mom doesn't have to be right there and this, that, and the other is it undermines the value that we put on mothers or it reduces mothers to something that doesn't really have intrinsic value outside of facilitating children. I touched on this a little bit in the last episode and it's something 
It's something that feels really personal to me, given the trauma that our family went through and the ramifications of that and my interactions with people who were supposed to be helpful but who were not. Following the aftermath of all of that was I really felt like I had been reduced not just to my kid's mom. Because like I joke about anywhere that I go, I'm not Kristen. I'm the Burgess kid's mom. But, you know, with those social workers and stuff, what I was reduced to was an entity to facilitate my children reaching the age of majority. Which is like, I don't know, you feel like a cow or a sow who's suckling piglets or something. Like some sort of mechanical object. You don't feel like you have any sort of value. It's a system without a soul. And so they have to render you as a being without a soul. And it's just terrible. And I think that a lot of times that's the hand that mothers get dealt once they're mothering is they're given a little bit of lip service like you can still have your career, especially because your career, which we know makes you feel good, but it also helps serve our interests because it keeps another consumer with plenty of money to spend. And, you know, so you you can have your career and, and, and do that and, and then, you know, you take care of your children. And that's that's what it's kind of reduced to is like you're facilitating your kids, you're raising them up through the baby years and then you're sending them to preschool and sending them to school and you're making sure that they get there. And and we just have to stop and say, what's the value in this? Where is the soul in all of this? Moms are incredibly, incredibly important. Now, I I don't want to spend this entire episode actually talking to you about why you're important. Because I think that when we look at it, we realize it. Like, I'm not going to make a list of why mothers matter. Even though we know that they do. What I want to point out is that we as a culture don't seem to honor that. But I believe that most of us understand on a fundamental level that you matter. And I also want you to understand that on a fundamental level, I believe that your instincts about your baby and your inner wisdom about your baby is top. You know, that's on the top of what any expert or any other anybody who gives any level of advice thinks. It's important. You matter. And all of that is in there in there to be had, in there to be found, in there to be enjoyed by you and your family. It's in there. But what I want to talk about really is is what this means for you. So what does it mean for you in your life that mothers matter? What does that mean for you? How does that impact your life, your family, and your home? So mothers matter. And one of the ways that I can think about that is the easiest way to illustrate how much mothers matter is a concept. This concept came out of Waldorf education or Waldorf uh, pedagogy, Waldorf theory, Waldorf thinking. I won't get off on that tangent because I'm trying to find the right word and it's not coming. But it came out of that, which um, Steiner was the fellow who developed Waldorf education and then wrote a lot kind of about Waldorf in life and so what what it talks about is the Madonna's cloak the Madonna's cloak is this concept that you as a mother have a cloak about you a cloak is an easy way it's an analogy to think about it if you think about a cloak a mom with a big flowing like cool medieval looking cloak or whatever on or if you think about 
a chicken who has all of her babies under her wings. It's the same concept, right? So the Madonna's cloak, Madonna is mother, right? The Madonna's cloak is this concept that you have a spiritual aspect of that or an aura of that or whatever resonates with you. I, it, we are spiritual beings. Even science backs that up now. There's more to us than just the physical and just our brains. So there is this spiritual sense, this aura around you as a mother that literally surrounds your family. It can be felt in your home. It can be felt around your family. It can be felt around your children. You literally hold the atmosphere in your home and for your family. Like I've, I've talked about this before. I know I've talked about it recently in the Facebook group. If you're not a member of the group, I'll link to that uh, in the show notes. I've talked about it in the Facebook group. I've talked about it on past podcasts. I've talked about it in classes that I've taught. One of the things that I mentioned is when I grew up, we had this saying that was, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And it's not fair, right? Sometimes I think that the Madonna's cloak is it's not really fair, but it's really, really, really true. I'm amazed uh, at how I can change the atmosphere of things. So I'll tell you something silly that I've done recently. I've, I've been reading a book called Tiny Habits um, by BJ something. I can't remember his last name. I'm so sorry. Tiny Habits BJ. I'll link to it in the show notes. But if you go look, at, look for Tiny Habits, you'll find it. Anyways, great book. Good book for moms to read. But I decided I wanted to create some tiny habits around things. And he talks about creating tiny habits that can help support you in situations that are negative. So I'm a mother of eight and I've got seven still at home and I'm, I'm parenting them alone all the time. It's exhausting, but sacred and wonderful as well. But I wanted something that would help me when my children upset me. How do I not spiral downward? How do I not start yelling? How do I not have a meltdown so that everybody is having a meltdown? And so the tiny habit that I decided that I could do, something that I could do as kind of a pattern interrupt for that was I got an Apple Watch a few months ago, really is a splurge, um, but I love it. And it has a, a little app on it that is, I think it's called the mindfulness app or something. It comes on the watch and it has a one minute option two one-minute options, one that's a reflection and one that's a breathing. Well, I like the breathing one because it it kind of shows this little bubble expanding and then going in, or kind of like a ball of light expanding and then going back into a pinpoint. And you're supposed to breathe with it, right? So what I decided was that is a tiny habit that I can do. If I realize that I'm getting upset at my kids because they're whining or fighting or whatever, I can stop and take 60 seconds. Or if there's like a kid who's hurting another kid or something, I can place that child in my lap for 60 seconds, or if I had a toddler who was tantruming, I can go sit with them in our calm down spot, which is just inside our laundry room, which doesn't have a door. Like I can sit by the calm down spot with them there so they're safe, right? And I can take 60 seconds to breathe with this silly little mindfulness app on my watch. And I have been amazed when at, at the results of doing that, just amazed at the results because... What I have found is that A, it works for me because it's an effective pattern interrupt because one minute later, those emotions have dissipated somewhat and I can look at it with a clearer head and at least speak to my child more clearly when I need to correct them. And I've also noticed that it has an incredible effect on my children. Like a certain child who will remain unnamed was having a complete meltdown because certain child needed to do the dishes. Like was about to pitch a temper tantrum that would be befitting of a child six years younger than them. 
And I put the app on because, man, I was getting frustrated because there was no reason for it. An older brother had even offered to help this child do half the dishes. And at the end of that minute, that child who was watching me had also calmed down and turned around to do the dishes without complaint. And then this morning, just this morning, I had to do this. I had to get out my little app. And when I opened my eyes, because I closed my eyes to breathe, I had this collection of children around me looking at my watch, breathing with the watch. So again, it's just, this is a small example of of that quote-unquote Madonna's cloak where we as a mother have the ability to influence the atmosphere. And I'm not saying that dads don't, but if you're in a home with a mom and a dad, it may, it may be less so true if, if you're a single daddy. But if you're in a home with a mom and a dad, you will notice that even if dad is grouchy and grumpy and testy, if mom is kind of handling it and is feeling kind of cool, and the, the rest of the household will still be relaxed. And... If mom is having a meltdown, dad will also have a meltdown and everybody will also have a meltdown. I know that's not universally true. Sometimes, especially the blessing of two-parent households is that one when one parent is having a, a really hard time, the other parent can step in and handle things more calmly. But you will see that a mother seems to just have this innate perspective or this innate influence on her home. Like you create the atmosphere. I, I mean, another... Example, you guys may have seen this. I put it on Instagram a few weeks ago. Um, I posted a picture of the breakfast table that I set out for my kids. I set that table out for my kids. Most mornings, I light candles on the table and I set out a hot breakfast. Or sometimes like we do yogurt and granola, so it's not always a hot breakfast. But I set their breakfast out almost every morning of the week. And then I go out and walk while they're getting up. Because I've got kids, you know, ranging from teenagers down to four. Phoenix is four now. But they get up to that atmosphere and to a home that's calm. I often have music playing. A lot of times I have the diffuser going with essential oils. So the house just, it's warm because I've lit the stove, uh, the wood stove. And it's, it's nice for them. And it's a calm and peaceful atmosphere. And I like it too because I'm not in the house when there's that initial like waking up craziness. I I call them and tell them that it's time to get up and they've got their little alarm clocks that make cute noises and stuff too. But that atmosphere is a beautiful atmosphere for them to get up in and a beautiful atmosphere to start our day. And I share that because it took me some time to get to that. Like how did I get to that? I mean, we were in survival mode even gosh, sometimes I feel like not that long ago, and certainly four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, we were really still in survival mode. But how did I, you know, how did I get to that with my life and with what the atmosphere that I'm able to even start my children's day with and this this ability to take in this book and implement some of the things in this book to start changing things that were just, you know, things that bothered me about me as a mother that I wanted to be able to let go of. How did I get to that place? Well, it's because I take care of me. And the lesson I want you to take out of that is that you need to take care of you. You are, you are literally setting the course. So I, I sent an email to the uh, mailing list. If you're not on the mailing list, head over to trustbirth101.com and you can sign up there. Also put it in the show notes. Um, but I sent an email to the list about this song that I've been listening to called The Course. And... I'm trying to remember the 
artist right now, and I can't remember her name. Ayla Nerero is the artist. Love the song. I love the song. I sent the email to the list because I said the song I'm listening to on repeat. But what I was talking, I love the song because I feel like it really honors that we as women set the course for our families because there's like an intergenerational vibe in the song. I love it. And also for our communities, for our world, like we set the course. (laughs) If you think, and, and I love it too. I love the imagery because if you think about a river, like think about how powerful a river is. And we direct that course. We are that course throughout our communities. So you have to take care of you for you to be able to step in and fulfill that incredibly huge and sacred role. Like, why do we, I don't, I just don't get why we set the bar for mothers so low. And when I say that, I I believe that we deprive mothers of the belief in a better experience. I mean, I talked about this some on the last episode, but biologically, biologically, we are primed for believe we're primed for a better experience for a good experience with mothering our babies we're primed for good experience with birthing them biologically we're primed for an ecstatic birth and we're primed for an ecstatic experience like i said a moment ago mothering our babies breastfeeding nurturing holding our babies i really enjoy i know some of you may not but i really enjoy taking care of babies maybe that's why i had so many I love pregnancy and birth, but I also like taking care of babies. Like, I like changing their clothes. I like cuddling them. I like walking around with them. I like swaddling them. I like carrying them in baby cares. I just like taking care of a little baby. Um, And there's probably something biological going on there. And also as a mother who's a little bit more relaxed now about baby care after having eight of them and realizing that they're really quite resilient. Anyways... I enjoy that. And and there's probably a biological component to that. There's a reason that b- breastfeeding, once you get past that initial awkward part, is for most women, it's pleasurable. It's relaxing. I mean, hormonally, it is supported to be a relaxing and beautiful and awesome experience. Biologically, we are primed for mothering to be a good and rewarding experience. Now, it's really difficult. I mean, my life as a mother is really difficult. But it's also a beautiful, blessed time when we think about our babies sleeping with their little sweet eyes closed and they look so angelic or that feeling that you get when you have a lovely bonding moment with your child or when you watch your child accomplish something. Like biologically, there are all these cues for pleasure and to enjoy this. So why, you know, why do we deprive mothers of this understanding and this picture of an experience that biologically is designed to prime you to be powerful, to be nurturing, for bonding, to be protector, to be love, you know, to love your children. I mean, we spend a lot of time either glorifying unrealistic pictures of like Hallmark moments, or we talk about how we need wine to get through the day as mothers. Again, it's that pendulum swing that is really the thing that I think is unhealthy for us. Here's what I want to give to you following that. Motherhood isn't easy, but it forges in you an incredible strength, resilience, that nurturing and protective instinct. It it calls upon you to be loving and resourceful and serving. And what the world 
what your family, what your child gets in return for that call and that effort on your part is so profound. And you, you are priceless. And, you know, you deserve the space to honor that, to enjoy that, to be supported in that. And so that, I think that's what I want to leave you with is to take time for you in the quiet moments. I mentioned, you know, that I'm able to give my kids this kind of beautiful morning because I take time for me before then. For me, it works. I know different different strokes for different folks, but for me, it works to get up earlier than my kids, much earlier than my kids, which means that I don't go to bed too long after my kids because at night I'm kind of useless, ladies, really, I'm exhausted. And so I may as well just go to bed. But I get up much earlier than them and I have quiet moments to myself. Right now, that looks like getting up, getting out of bed, going to the bathroom, filling my water bottle, taking a sip of water. Then I go work on the wood stove because as I'm recording this, it's still cold and we still need wood to keep the house heated. So I go get the wood stove going for the morning. And then I put on a little dance routine video because I love dancing. And I actually have that playing. Um, kind of, I set my computer on the corner of my bed and I play that. And then I go out actually to the front room in the kitchen, which my, my bedroom kind of opens off of those rooms. And I work, like I, I tidy up a little bit. I pick up things that the kids have left around. I do a little bit of preparation for breakfast. I just, I just tidy and stuff. I call it my home blessing time because uh, it feels good to me. And I dance while I'm doing that. Like I'm hearing her give the dance cues in this. I tend to watch the same ones again and again. So I know the routines, right? And I, I just enjoy that time. And then I sit down and I, I read scripture, I pray, I do some personal development work. Um, usually I, a little bit after that is the time that I take to write an email to, to you ladies. Um, if you're on the mailing list, again, Trustbirth 101 if you're not. Write to you. And then I get up and I get the kids breakfast laid out, get myself and the dog geared up for my walk. But as you can see, I take that time for me early in the morning. That's time for me. And also I take time. I have a counseling appointment on Tuesday afternoons most weeks and I don't hurry home after that appointment. Now I have, I have the luxury in that, in that I've got teenagers who can be here to help. But as a single mom, it's also somewhat necessary for me to have some space. Cause I don't, you know, I don't have another parent. I never get a break. And so having that little bit of time, you know, those few hours on Tuesday afternoons is something that I do for me and I do it without guilt. And I also remind myself, you know, that I'm, I, I homeschool my kids. I've been blessed to be able to continue to be with them and to work from home with them. If you've purchased anything from Natural Birth and Baby Care, you're helping support my family and I greatly appreciate you and give you all of my gratitude. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm able to be with them. So I remind myself that I'm with them most of the time so they can deal with a little bit of time away from me. Uh, and, I, you know, if I had like a nursing newborn, my baby would be with me all the time. But so this this is based on your time in life and your season of life. If Again, if I had a nursing baby, there's a good chance that part of that morning routine would involve nursing my baby. Now, I might choose, and I have done this in the past, 
choose to intentionally get my baby up at a certain time so that I can put my baby back to bed and finish the rest of my morning routine, that's something that's worked really well for me because I've tended to be a morning creature for a while. So there's ways that you can be flexible and find that time while still meeting your children's needs. And that's what I encourage you to do. Sometimes on Saturday nights, I'll put everybody to bed a little bit early and I'll take a bath. You know, just doing what things I can to nourish and nurture me. And even deciding and giving myself permission that, hey, I can take that 60 seconds to calm down when my kids are getting me upset. Like, it might feel like you have to be right there in the moment. But one thing that I've realized is that, in general, children will survive for 60 seconds. And if it takes me 60 seconds to ground myself, to say a quick prayer, to be more at peace... And then to respond to them with more compassion and sensitivity and, and groundedness in myself, then I'm serving them. So really, when you're grounding yourself, you're serving you. And I'm not telling you you've got to run out to spa days and for girls nights out and all of that. And I'm not telling you that you can't do that. I think we find rejuvenation in different ways. And as mothers, we intrinsically know how to find some balance there. But I think that if we aren't finding balance, we tend to tip all the way to we aren't doing anything. For ourselves, And that's what I really want you to avoid. I want you to take care of you. Take time in quiet moments. For many, many, many years, those quiet moments for me were while my children were napping in the afternoon because I had only little ones who napped. Now, in seasons where I was pregnant, I often napped with them for part of that nap time. And then I got up and had a little bit of quiet time. And another thing for me that's been important throughout all my mothering years is putting my children to bed somewhat early. Now I have teenagers and that just messes everything up because I put the little ones to bed and the teens are still up. So I go in my room. But, you know, it's having having my children go to bed a little bit early gave me some space for me or for my marriage at the time before everything kind of went down in our family. So if those are things like, you know, those times for you or relationships, you can find them. And I, would, I want you to give yourself permission to find them because in some ways I don't think logistics is the problem. Like you might say, oh, I'm so busy. But that's not true because probably you find 30 minutes, 60 minutes to mindlessly scroll through Facebook or whatever every day. So you can instead choose to do things that are, that are nurturing to you. And I think that we will do things like scroll through Facebook mindlessly or Instagram mindlessly because we don't quite count that. But when we think about actually taking time for ourselves as women, as mothers, to nurture ourselves, to honor ourselves, then suddenly it counts. And it's not something we should do because it's selfish. Maybe it, maybe the scrolling through social media and stuff is like the stupid wine memes from moms. Because it's like, oh, I just need to do this to survive getting through the day. But for some reason, we as a, as a society and as a culture don't honor, well, let me instead take time to truly nurture, nurture and nourish myself so that I don't feel like I need social media and wine. I'm not, I don't have any alcohol, so I don't have that. But I know for myself, if I find myself scrolling through Facebook mindlessly, I know that I'm not doing well and it's time for some self-care or it's time to do something like make a baby steps to-do list to help myself or it's time to get up and dance to some silly music with my children. Like lately, we've been listening to this song by the K-pop band BTS called Butter which is like the goofiest like Korean boy, boy band song ever. 
but it makes the children laugh. And like I said, I love to dance. So, you know, I dance and it's a short song. It's like two minutes long, maybe a little over two minutes. And it just makes everybody smile. The other morning, the kids were grumbling about starting their table chores to clean up after breakfast. And I put on that song and my kid who was doing dishes grouchily, like the smile on that child's face was ear to ear. And suddenly the dishes were done and everybody was kind of grooving. So, you know, even if it's silly, silly things, even if it's little things that you can do to nurture yourself, to uplift yourself, to give yourself a smile and then give yourself a pat on the back when you do good things, you know, take that time. A couple of other practical tips that I can give you are, because I know we're getting a little bit long here, but take time, or excuse me, not take time for you in the quiet moments, thought about that already. Practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. Saying thank you, like audibly saying thank you to your children or to your husband or to the clerk at the store who helps you. Say thank you for things, especially things that you like and would like to see repeated again. Say thank you. And then Say thank you, too, to God or to whatever it is that you feel like you need to say thank you to, just in general, the universe. Say thank you. Like, I tell God thank you for things, even things that I felt like I deserved or should have had or whatever. You know, I know that sounds trite. But I try and say thank you and have a spirit of gratitude. Because when you look for the things that you're grateful for every day, when you seek things to be grateful about and to say thank you for, even if it's just a quiet whisper to God, then you feel better and you notice more positive things in your world. I also want you to be okay with the emotional side of you. This is something that's helped me quite a bit to weather disappointments. Now, like I said, when my kids are upsetting me, that 60 seconds really helps me just to calm down and ground myself and get it back together. But if I've had a disappointment or something that I wanted to happen didn't happen or something didn't come through or I'm just at a place where I'm feeling overwhelmed, it's just a really hard day a really hard week, then I'm okay with that emotional side of me. I give myself a few minutes. You know, moms love bathrooms because they're a momentary escape. But sometimes I'll go to the bathroom and I'll just sit for a minute and let myself feel sad or let myself feel overwhelmed. Just let those feelings be there and not judge them and not be mad at them because they're legitimate feelings. They're there to try and do something for me. Do Your heavy feelings are there to do something for you. They're to try and protect us. And so we can feel those feelings, allow them, and then thank them. And then we can choose to shift. And that's usually what I do is I try and think about something that makes me smile or somebody that makes me smile. You know, you think about that. Something that happened that makes you smile. So think about how somebody did you a favor or how, you know, dreamy your husband's eyes are or something. Just think about, you know, it can be silly little things that give you a smile. Think about those. Think about a funny story that somebody told you or a funny story in your past and help yourself shift out of that. But be okay with giving yourself a moment to be in that emotion, to be in that sadness, to sulk. And and then to kind of, you know, come back out of it because then you usually genuinely feel better. And if it's something that's big, like a big grief, a big trauma, then I would encourage you to slowly over time and with help if you need that, do the work to learn to walk forward from that. You won't ever be able to make it go away or that it happened go away, but to walk forward. And I know that could get into an entirely different podcast episode, but something I've really had to wrestle with. Uh, And I feel like I'm stronger. Things get to be for your good, even the hardest of things. You can decide that ultimately 
It serves you and helps you become more compassionate, more resilient. And, you know, that it doesn't make it good, but it means that you can walk forward a stronger woman. So let those emotions be there. Get support if you need to. And for the emotions that you feel are silly or petty, give yourself a moment to be able to experience them. And then choose to shift. Choose to shift. And that will help you be more compassionate with your kids too to teach them the same skills. I also want you to listen to your intuition because this is part of honoring yourself, even if it's just baby steps. I know I I sound like a broken record, but when you're thinking, okay, I don't know how to take care of myself or what intuition is or anything, start small. Your body gives you cues. It tells you when you need to pee. It tells you when you're thirsty. Do those things for yourself because they will really it will really serve you if you start to pay attention and listen to that and start to listen to that voice inside of you and it doesn't mean that you can't supplement that voice with say expert advice or opinions or um, you know techniques and strategies that you've learned from other moms or whatever but I want you to listen to you because it will really help you even if you start in small ways, as you go forward to listen to and honor yourself and to start to think creatively about how you can meet everybody's needs, including yours. Maybe not 100% perfectly. Moms have to make some sacrifices. We spend time needing sleep that we don't get. But you can do a lot to help take care of you. And I want you to realize, too, that you, you are beautiful. You are worthy. You are wonderful just because you are you, just because you are here, you are intrinsically worthy. You are beautiful. You have a birthright that is a beautiful birthright. And I am so happy that I get to spend a little bit of time with you. I'm so honored that I get to be a small part of your journey. And I want to encourage you to remember your own worth and your own beauty and treasure, you know, treasure these things, treasure these moments, treasure these moments of valuing yourself. And I think as we as a collective of mothers begin to value ourselves, treasure ourselves, nurture ourselves in these small ways, in these sustainable but powerful ways that truly honor that intrinsic worth, that aren't surface or face level things or stupid things that are like societal things like wine and manicures and all that kind of stuff, but rather we truly honor the ways that we can honor and nurture ourselves in the midst of the busyness of mothering young children with intention and consciousness. Then we will raise that place of mother and the honor of this sacred calling greatly in the eyes of society and culture as well. But it has to start small. It has to start with us. And it starts regardless of your circumstances, where you're working or what you're doing. If you're mothering, you're mothering and you can mother with intention and you can mother with that intrinsic belief in your own value, in your own power, in your own worth, in your own beauty. And I want to remind you of that and and encourage you to carry that with you today. With that, I will wrap up. Remember, if you want to get on the newsletter list, head over to TrustBirth101.com. That's TrustBirth101.com. If you'd like to chat with me about your situation, I've made some time each week for some pregnancy and birth visioning sessions or some family and home visioning sessions. If you'd like to talk things through, then I am open to that. Shoot me an email, Kristen at NaturalBirthAndBabyCare.com, and I'm happy to connect with you. Otherwise, jump on the newsletter list, and I will send you encouragement through the week and with that i will talk to you on the podcast next week thanks for listening to the birth baby and life podcast with Kristen burgess 
For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.